Hey, welcome in everybody once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com for a long, long time now. And of course, the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch in Tuscaloosa at 102.9 FM, 11A to 12 noon weekdays. Talking Tide, available at our web host at podbean.com. Also, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And Travis, uh, we kind of jump in here in mid-December, well ahead of the Alabama-Oklahoma matchup, which we will preview in depth further on down the road. But we kind of just dive in here with a little barnstorm on some winter news, which of course is always going to come uh, uh, coaching-wise, coaching turnover-wise around this time of year. Uh, since we last casted a pod, uh, Loxley out, Enos up, uh, Butch Jones potentially moving on with Loxley. A little bit of a shuffle uh, with the Alabama coaching staff, as uh, Crimson Tide fans have certainly come to expect every December. Yeah, this is nothing new to the Alabama program. Uh, especially one and outs at the offensive coordinator position. Saw it last year with Brian Dable. Heck, he had a one game and out with Steve Sarkeesian a couple of years ago in the national championship game in uh, in, in place of, of Lane Kiffin there. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of a revolving door situation, but in terms of the parameters for what the Alabama offense will be, that obviously always goes back to one guy, regardless of who – is in that coordinator chair. Nick Saban sets those parameters, kind of outlines what he wants the offense to be about. Uh, But I think Dan Enos is more than uh, a legitimate successor to Mike Loxley. Uh, And not just because of what we saw from Tua Tagovailoa this year, even Jalen Hurts and the improvement he's made uh, at the quarterback position. But I thought that Enos did some really good stuff at Arkansas at a time when the Razorbacks under Brett Bielema weren't able to really be what Bielema likes his teams to be about. And you know what that is. That's a ground-and-pound approach that we saw at Wisconsin and in the Big Ten. He wasn't able to really carry that over to Arkansas, whether it was because of recruiting, uh, the the offensive line development maybe didn't continue in a way that that you thought it would from the, the early stages of his time there in Fayetteville. But with that, Enos was able to take a couple of, of brothers uh, in the Allens and kind of transform that offense into more of a, a passing-first approach and, and put up some big numbers in doing so. So this is a guy, Chase, that, that has a track record that tells you he's more than deserving of the promotion. Yeah, people do forget that those Allens, especially Brandon Allen, they would whip it around 40 times a week. So it's, That's the way it seemed anyway. They would get in stretches like that at the very least. Uh, with some good talent at wide receiver and and uh, did a lot of damage, no question about it. Uh, the question I have, and and I would presume it's a it's a widespread question for a lot of fans. Travis is Dan Enos. If you look at his Arkansas offense, is obviously more more of a traditional style. 
um, and Loxley was kind of the RPO end of the Alabama offense, which just set the books on fire statistically, set a school record for total points in a season, set a school record for total offense in a season. This is not a situation for Dan Enos or anybody else in, in, in this kind of situation where you step in and, and hammer your own big stamp on things. You're inheriting a, a, a machine and the the job is to keep it running and if that's how Dan Enos is approaching it then we're going to see him involve the RPO stuff I think I think pretty heavily and it'll be interesting to see how that evolves yeah I don't think the RPOs are going anywhere no. uh, and you're right Loxley Loxley it wasn't just what he's done in this year uh, at Alabama with that sort of offense you can go back to his tenure as the offensive coordinator uh, at Illinois years ago when, when he had a quarterback in Juice Williams, who you might recall, who put up huge numbers uh, in the Big Ten. So it's kind of been uh, Loxley's calling card for a while now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the RPOs are, are here to stay. Um, you know, I think Dan Enos uh, has shown both here uh, but even at Arkansas a real willingness to incorporate the tight ends. Uh, at Arkansas, we definitely saw that with Hunter Henry. Uh, you're seeing it at Alabama with Irv Smith Jr. this year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the offense in terms of, of what it's really about this year, that's going to transition right into the Enos era. As much as anything, where you're going to miss locks is on the recruiting front. And that's understanding that Alabama had had a lot of success up in that Baltimore, D.C. area even before Loxley came on board. But this is a guy that's beloved up there in the DMV, and he's already making some hires to that Maryland staff uh, that speak to his his plan to, to try to lock down that area as much as possible. Let's face it, though. If Alabama, the number one program in college football, goes up there and really wants a guy, a kid, <laughs> it's going to be tough even for Loxley to keep him home in that regard. But uh, recruiting a big part of what Locks brought to the table. And Alabama, by the way, has had a nice stretch here in the last week, flipped a couple of commitments from Texas A&M and Michigan on the on the defensive back front. So uh, that continues to roll nicely for Alabama leading up to the CFP as well. Yeah, Maryland could not have asked for a better fit and a better landing th- landing for, for Mike Loxley. I mean, that's definitely perfect for uh, what the Terps needed. I, I, I think he's going to be a, a really nice fit there. You know, as for the recruiting end of it, it it's kind of, you know, Alabama, when, when, for instance, when Mario Cristobal was on staff, you saw Alabama do some damage in South Florida, uh, maybe like it hadn't always done. Although they did, even before Cristobal, they did get some players out of there, but certainly Cristobal, I think, peaked it. With Loxley, it was the D.C. area. You lose a guy like Loxley, you don't necessarily, I don't think, have to, have to, uh, nail things down in dc like you had them before somehow it's more about finding a different hotbed that maybe wasn't uh um a hot iron in the past uh you know maybe yeah you know maybe they start doing more damage in south florida maybe they start hitting ohio texas wherever i think what it is more likely to how it'll play out you may not get every terrell lewis trayvon diggs Quan Joe brother out of that area moving forward, but Alabama's still going to go in there. It's still going to go up there and look to build on the success that it's had. Uh, and again, it may not be at the hit rate 
that Alabama's enjoyed of late, but Alabama will still pull uh, more than one or two, I would think, top prospects out of that area. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com rolls on. Travis Ryer, Chase Goodbread with you, talking Alabama football in this uh, end-of-season low between the SEC championship game and the CFP. Again, we'll, we'll be previewing Alabama-Oklahoma uh, as we get closer to the game. Travis, uh, to a tongue of Aloha, of course, uh, a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. It ends up going to Kyler Murray of Oklahoma. This is a topic that you and I hit on probably two or three times throughout the regular season, and uh, it certainly looked like tongue of Aloha had this thing under wraps probably the last time we addressed it. Uh, things clearly t- tilted, though, uh, following conference championship Saturday, and and uh, Murray kind of sneaks up from behind, wins the, wins the award, deserving for sure, had a monster year, and uh, took me a little bit by surprise, but he certainly was deserving. Yeah, I don't think you can look at any three of the finalists and say, well, that guy didn't belong uh, in the room there in New York City last Saturday night. Dwayne Haskins with insane numbers. And not only that, we're talking about three finalists from mega brand programs and you're talking about alabama oklahoma ohio state there there wasn't a rudy okay in this bunch you know there wasn't some massive underdog from a group of five program that no no gordy lockbaum how about gordy lockbaum did he sneak in there no 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 holy cross represented (laughs) um saturday night at the at the at the event but yeah i mean i i agree and is some of this related to Alabama fatigue were some voters really waiting to just perhaps have a reason not to vote for Tua Tonga Bailoa as a winner maybe that's some of it but you're not going to get me to tear down Kyler Murray's numbers or Dwayne Haskins numbers in comparison to Tua uh, and I get it you know I've, I've done some of the math on this in the last few days because I'm, I'm more so researching Alabama Oklahoma than I am trying to uh take away from from someone's resume um but when you look at the defenses that kyler murray faced this year he faced three top 60 defenses chase in college football and one of those was army army actually statistically ranked higher than any defense oklahoma faced this year the other two tcu was in the low 20s and iowa state somewhere in the mid 30s whereas in comparison Tua Tagovailoa faced eight defenses ranked in the top 55 of FBS defenses. So it was eight to three in terms of competition. So if you were looking at Tua's candidacy, well, obviously it was largely about efficiency because he didn't have the pass attempts or the opportunities that either Murray or Haskins had. Um, And you were also basing it on competition. And, And certainly from that standpoint, Tua got the edge. Again, though, the last impression obviously was big on a lot of people, and with that, I wasn't all that surprised that it was Kyler Murray who had his name called last Saturday night. Yeah, I, I just to me, and I think I mentioned this on uh, our, our last pod after the SEC title game, but to me it seems like more often than not the guy with the late momentum comes up a little short, uh, and Murray was certainly that guy in this particular race. Uh, it flipped around for sure this time around. Uh, you mentioned that you know the defenses and where they're ranked and so forth that, that he faced versus Tonga Valoa. Another point in that regard, you got to look at raw talent as it translates to the NFL. Uh, I could tell you, you know, it's it's no secret the SEC 
on an annual basis has not only the most uh, draft picks than any other Power 5 conference, but also typically dwarfs uh, the Big 12, which comes in on a regular basis behind not only the SEC, but also the ACC, the Big 10, and the Pac-12. Matter of fact, I want to say in in a recent draft, maybe not last year, might have been the year before, I want to say, Travis, that that, uh, in a a real recent draft, the Big 12 might have had single-digit defensive players drafted in the entire conference, less than 10. Yeah, Um, yeah. So that's amazing. Whereas the SEC, that they'll typically run uh, fifty plus uh, through the NFL draft, and usually more than half of those play on the defensive side of the ball. You know, and and it's really twofold in terms of how you question the legitimacy of the defensive talent uh, and in units in that league. It makes you look at the offensive success that teams like Oklahoma having that league given um the 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 statistics the numbers that you just presented to us in relation to the nfl draft you know you look at this offensive line for oklahoma and i know we'll get more into breakdowns in the next week or so but i was i was looking at the oklahoma offensive line you got a couple of guards and ben powers drew samaya uh and also a tackle and bobby evans that were starters a year ago for ou and this year all of oklahoma's five offensive linemen garnered all Big 12 uh, uh, honors. You know, three of them were first team all Big 12 this year. Another was second team. The first year center Creed Humphrey was honorable mention. So the entire offensive line for Oklahoma this season uh, picking up all Big 12 honors of some sort. But you got to kind of question even from that perspective. You got you to gotta kind of wonder if yeah, that's great, but what is this group going to do against the likes of Quinnen Williams and Raquan Davis and Isaiah Bugs? Um, you know, you can you can say for sure, and I agree with this. Alabama's defense hasn't seen a quarterback like Kyler Murray this year. Uh, no argument here. But on the other side of that, you know, has the has the Oklahoma offense seen anything close to what this Alabama defense will present in terms of? talent and personnel and those things no no definitely not Quinnen Williams it's a, a kind of segues us right into a couple of other awards Quinnen Williams uh wins the Outland Trophy which is uh essentially the the Heisman Trophy for lineman Travis and well-deserved Jonah Williams uh the offensive tackle for Alabama um a finalist as well uh, Jerry Judy, the Boletnikoff Award. Uh, Jalen Waddle wins SEC Freshman of the Year. It was a pretty good run uh, for Alabama players on uh, awards week, as it typically is. It is, and you know, it, it looks like it'll be a pretty good day for a lot of those offensive guys, especially uh, when these two teams get together on December the 29th, because you know I, I talk about this Oklahoma offense against the Alabama defense, and we'll get into the Oklahoma defense uh, as we get closer to the game, but wow, that, that's a bad unit at Oklahoma. Looking at some of the numbers and, and going through their season, um, you know, giving up 55% of third down opportunities to ranked opponents, uh, giving up 40 touchdowns and 47 red zone attempts by opponents this year. Uh, you know, we're going to get caught up so much in Kyler Murray and 
and the Alabama defense, but the biggest mismatch by far will be when Alabama has the football against that Oklahoma D. Alabama might put the ball in the air a lot, and they and they they very well may have winning the game on explosive passing plays. That wouldn't shock anybody with the defense for the Sooners, like you said, being what it is and what we know Tungavaloa can do. But all that said, won't surprise me one bit if Alabama, if they win the game, starts it with the running game and finishes it with the running game. In other words, establish early, uh, get down the field with uh, some big, you know, rip-off runs yeah. by, by Damian Harris and crew uh, to kind of soften things up. And then at the end of the game, uh, you, you, we've seen Nick Saban kind of bury people that way. Yeah, and it's really what Georgia did in the Rose Bowl last year. And you hear some Alabama fans talk about, well, slow the game down, you know, in the Orange Bowl limit the opportunities for the Oklahoma offense uh, as a byproduct of taking that approach. Well, you know, Oklahoma against Georgia in the Rose Bowl, Georgia averaged 9.3 yards per carry, okay, and ran for five touchdowns. So even in the run game, it can be hard against this Oklahoma defense to, to control the game in terms of tempo and time and snaps and all those things because uh, you're ripping off chunks even in the run game. You know, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that approach. I think if you're Alabama offensively, uh, whether it's two play drives or ten play drives, your foot to the pedal, and, and you're you're looking to score points uh, more than anything else throughout that game. Talking Tide podcast at Podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We roll on. We're going to thank a few sponsors right now, starting with North River Dental Associates, Doctor Jack Smalley. Uh, and his office located off McFarland Boulevard at 1100 Fairfax Park. It's where you need to go to take care of all of your dental needs, all your family's dental needs. I trust my family with Dr. Jack. Travis does as well. It's a clean, comfortable office, a professional staff. Routine cleanings, they'll have you in and out of there in less than an hour, typically. 39 minutes was uh, my last cleaning over at Dr. Jack. I had him on the clock and uh, he, he delivered uh, beyond belief. They do a super job over there. Also do an outstanding job of keeping you uh, reminded uh, that you got that because it's easy to forget when you only get your teeth cleaned twice a year, uh, but they can shoot you a text, send you an email, give you a phone call, however you want to be reminded uh, in this uh uh, world now where we can be uh, we can communicate 10 different ways they can do it the way you like to remind you to get in there to north river dental associates also want to thank urban cookhouse the outstanding farm to fire to table restaurant at 1490 north bank parkway it's right off rice mine road it's conveniently located it's extremely convenient to get in and out of there uh, through that pickup window with the call-in orders don't have to worry about the traffic and the parking like you do in a lot of parts of Tuscaloosa these days. Vince Hunter and his group do a great job. Tell you about the Urban Cowboy uh, this week. It's one of the excellent sandwiches uh, that they got going on those big green egg ceramic smokers. The Urban Cowboy with lime marinated steak, caramelized onions, peppers, pepper jack cheese, and aioli uh, served on a warm French roll. It's the Urban Cowboy sandwich. It's one of my favorites over at Urban Cookhouse. I'm going to tell you about Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa out there off Skyland Boulevard uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 3200 Skyland Boulevard East to be exact. They've got the winter event 
going on out there. So some great deals to be had at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa, both on new and certified pre-owned automobiles. And you can check out all those details. You can check out the entire inventory as it sits on the lot today, right now at MercedesofTuscaloosa.com. Go to MercedesofTuscaloosa.com. Again, you're going to see each and every vehicle as it is in stock today at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. First, go to MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com, then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale. It is Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Now, if you've had the unfortunate scenario of being involved in an accident, a car accident, anything that required an accident report, CAR-T and Lloyd, attorneys at law, are your first phone call. 205-759-1554. That's going to put you in touch with CAR-T and Lloyd, Attorneys at Law, located right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And in teaming with Michael CAR-T and John Lloyd, you're going to do so with a pair of attorneys with a combined 60-plus years of legal experience between them. So make the call today, 205-759-1554. Also check out their website, www. CarTLloydLaw.com. That's CarT and Lloyd, attorneys at law. My son actually has uh, been working with John Lloyd over at CarT and Lloyd on a case for about the last 15 months or so, and that just came to a close. And I can tell you, uh, it went really well for him. He was really happy with his experience working with John over there at CarT and Lloyd. Travis Ryer, Chase Goodbread, uh, with you here for a few more minutes on the Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com. Travis, uh, we'll kind of veer quickly before we get out of here uh, to a little bit of NFL conversation and, and what was really a remarkable week uh, for former Alabama players at the pro level. And, of course, every, pretty much every week in the NFL, Julio Jones is going to get his 8-for-100 line uh, with the Falcons, and the usual suspects are going to have some big games. Uh, but this this past week now, you had Amari Cooper go 10-for-217 and three touchdowns in the uh, a win for the Dallas Cowboys over the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Derrick Henry goes 17 for 238 with this crazy 99-yard touchdown run that kind of went viral uh, as soon as it happened against our Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and and Robert Foster, uh, 7 for 104. He now has the Bills only two 100-yard receiving, receiving games of the season, and he only got activated from the practice squad like a month ago. Uh, so here's a guy that could hardly get on the field for Alabama. We've, we've mentioned him, I think, once before, uh, who, who's all of a sudden starting to, starting to light it up on Sundays. Yeah, you're talking about the NFC Player of the Week in Amari Cooper, the AFC uh, Offensive Player of the Week in Derrick Henry, and the AFC Rookie of the Week in Robert Foster. So life is good if you're that graphics director for Alabama football. You know, you're coming up with those <laughs> graphics and yeah. those tweets. That guy's know, having Alabama a field. He, that guy needs a he needs an assistant. He's asking yeah. for more manpower. You know, that guy or gal or that crew over there off Bryant Drive uh, this week. They've got an easy week. They're skating right into the holidays because. Uh, these former Alabama players are making it easy. And you talk about an easier way to recruit, how about that? I mean, that's just – that's ready-made closer material when you're when you're putting that stuff out or you're, you're making sure that 
prospective recruits and guys that you're trying to close because we got this early signing period coming up, good bread. So what better time for all of this yeah. than right now if you've got a couple of guys on the fence and, and you can get them put to bed in this early period, go ahead and get them signed, than to have this going down right now. The timing's perfect. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, if all of that wasn't enough, Kenya Drake with a miracle hook and ladder touchdown for a game yeah. a, a game winner against the New England Patriots, uh, where uh, uh, Rob got Rob, I I thought Belichick got got burned for being a little too cute. He's got Gron, he's got Gronk on the field playing this deep safety role, I guess, to knock down the pass, you know. And of course, uh, that 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 that's the kind of thing that that uh, people swear you know, Billy Billy's brilliant though. He's brilliant for for putting you know, Gronk back there, and he can't he can't make the tackle when he's got to. I, I haven't won five rings, okay, um, but even I know. That if the guy that's your last line of defense on a play like that is number eighty-seven, <laughs> the chances of a tackle being made probably aren't real good. Yeah. You know, I know that. You know, I don't have five rings or how many ever it is Bill has, <laughs> but I do know that if I'm in a situation where my last hope to make a tackle is a guy wearing eighty-seven <laughs> instead of like thirty-six or twenty-four or something anything, like that, anything but that. Yeah. The math, the math that. The math on those numbers, 87 and 24, you know, there's a disparity in there, you know, between the guy I want back there trying to make that tackle. Yeah, yeah, I thought that uh, – I took note of that. I took note of Gronk uh, yeah. in that in that specialty role, you know, that that, uh, that makes Billy so brilliant. So maybe somebody could ask Nick about that, you know, bowl week, you know, uh-huh. o- o- Oklahoma week. You know, what about – it could be some random guy when they have the when they have the media hey. day where Nick's got to go you know, 60 minutes against, against like 500 reporters. Maybe somebody could just buzz in there. And, Nick, you know, you know what – you know what Nick <laughs> likes to do on those Hail Marys? Because we've seen this for a while now, and you saw it if you go back to the 2009 uh, Iron Bowl in Auburn. And in Auburn, we were on the field for those, good bread. Yeah. And Auburn took some shots or took a shot into the end zone. Nick likes to put that middle linebacker back there on the goal line because Rolando McClain was back there in the Iron Bowl in 2009. And if you remember a couple Saturdays ago, Mac Wilson yeah. um, was in that spot. But then last year at Mississippi State, you had Keith Holcomb back there, and he got the pass interference. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave an, gave an extra for, bullet. Yeah, I'd forgotten yeah. that. Yeah. It's worked out more often than not. But it's just interesting more than anything to kind of see how coaches handle those 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 situations. Yeah. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. Follow us on Twitter, Talking underscore Tide is the handle. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Talking Tide podcast.